St. John Henry Newman asked this question, why does God pay such a high price for our salvation? Why is it that he gives the life of his only begotten son, his beloved son, to die on the cross for our redemption? And the most common answer that's given to that question is that it's on account of the gravity of our sin. When we see what Christ paid for us, it makes us acknowledge how deeply we've sinned. It makes us take our sin seriously. But Newman gives another answer. He says, it's not only on account of the gravity of our sin. It's not only on account of the depth of, to which we had fallen as a human race. It's on account of the heights to which he wants to take us. He wants to raise us up. He says, when we look at the cross and we consider what God paid for us to achieve our salvation, we, re we realize that he won for us a great and wonderful salvation, that the new life that we have in him is not an ordinary life, that we're meant to be new creatures, that we're meant to be remade in his image and likeness. And he says that one of the great gifts that comes to us as these new creatures, the activity that's proper to us as Christians redeemed by Christ, is intercession. Intercession is the great theme of today's readings. We heard about Abraham's bold intercession before God when God was considering destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Jesus teaches us how to intercede before the Father. Newman says this, he says, Christ died to bestow upon human beings that privilege which implies all others and brings them into nearest resemblance to himself, the privilege of intercession. This I say is the Christian's special prerogative. If he does not exercise it, Certainly he has, no, he has not risen to the conception of his real place among created beings. So he says, if you're not interceding, then you don't know who you are. You don't realize what God has done for you. Because this is the activity proper to your new state in life. Judges have the authority to exercise judgment. Mothers and fathers have the authority to teach and form their children. And Christians have the privilege and the responsibility to intercede. It's the activity that's proper to us as redeemed disciples. He says this, the Christian is made after the pattern and the fullness of Christ. He is what Christ is. Christ intercedes above and he intercedes below. Why should he linger in the doorway praying for pardon? He's already in a capacity for higher things. His prayer thenceforth takes a higher range and contemplates not himself merely, but others also. So intercession is one of our greatest privileges and also one of our greatest responsibilities. And tonight, I wanna to draw three keys to powerful intercession from the readings that we've just heard. The first is love. The foundation of intercession is love. So think of so many stories in the gospel. Think of the four friends who carry 
their paralyzed friend on a mat just to go and lay him before Jesus. And when they find the house full of people and they can't make their way through, they carry him to the roof and they tear through the tiles of the roof and lower him down to Jesus. Why? What's their motivation? Because they love their friend. And so they're willing to do anything just to get him in Jesus' presence. Or the centurion who comes to Jesus and intercedes on behalf of his servant, he says to him, my servant whom I love is ill. Or the Syrophoenician woman who begs Jesus, and Jesus rebuffs her at first. He almost seems to belittle her, but she stays with him. She humbles herself, and she begs him. Why? Because she loves her daughter, and Jesus heals her. So love is the foundation. We see the same thing in today's readings. Abraham intercedes for Sodom because his cousin Lot lives there. And he loves Lot dearly. The two of them left their home country of Ur together many, many years before. And they lived as foreigners in a distant land with their own families, their own bands, in a, in a, in a basically hostile place for many years together. Lot was his cousin. Abraham risked his life to save him from bandits at one point. He loves Lot. And on account of his love, he's bold before God in interceding for Sodom. Intercession is one of the greatest acts of love that you can perform for someone. Too often our prayers become self-involved. We pray only for ourselves, for our own needs, even for our own forgiveness, for our own holiness. Well, let Christ take care of your holiness. You intercede. You devote yourself to the good and the building up and the salvation of other people by praying for them. And in fact, when you do, you'll become holy. There's no other way about it because the substance of holiness is love. And the greatest act of love is intercession. So that's the first key to powerful intercession is love. When we love, we'll intercede with force. The second key is to know who God is. That's the second element to powerful intercession. Abraham appeals to God's own character, his own justice when he begs him to spare Sodom. He says, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous people in the city. Would you really sweep away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike, far be it from you. Should not the judge of all the world do what is just? Abraham knows that God is a just judge, and so he appeals to his character. He appeals to his justice in interceding for Sodom. Well, in today's gospel, Jesus offers us an even deeper revelation of God's character. He says you can go before him not only as a just judge, but as a father. He is your father. He knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's a father. Every hair on your head is counted. So go to him trustingly, confidently. He loves to give you good gifts. 
that's what's so beautiful about Luke's version of the Our Father, which we heard today, which isn't the version that we pray in the Mass, but it's beautiful for its simplicity. There's no preamble, no qualification. He just says, Father, hallowed be thy name. Father. So knowing who God is is key to intercession. There are some heroic intercession, inter intercessors who, who get worn out. They're faithful in praying day in and day out, but they get discouraged because they pay more attention to the problems than they do to God. And there are plenty of problems in the world, and there are plenty of problems in our own homes, aren't there? And, and these valiant intercessors, they pray and they pray and they hammer on these things, thanks be to God, but they get worn out and discouraged because all their attention goes to what's wrong in the world. And Jesus wants to teach us to first set our eyes on God, to contemplate Him, who He is, His character, His power, His mercy. God is God. And with Him, then to present the needs and the problems of the world, which are real. It's not about ignoring those things, but it's about, about presenting them to God after having contemplated who God is. That's why the Psalms are always recalling God's past victories, battles that He won, how He led the people triumphant out of Egypt into the Promised Land. It recalls often His power in creation, so that from that place of trust and praise, they're able to intercede with power and with conviction. So that's the second key. The first key is to love. That's the motive. That's our, our, our force in interceding. The second is to know who God is. And the third key to powerful intercession is persistence. Look at the way Abraham bargains with God. He starts high. He says, what if there are 50 just people in the city? And then he negotiates down. And what about 45? What about 40? And you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, Abraham, you're talking to God. He's going to wipe you out like but he keeps bargaining what about 30 what about 20 what about 10 and Jesus says of the man who goes to ask his neighbor for bread for a guest in the middle of the night he says I tell you if he does not give get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence this summer, when we were driving across the, the country, we, we stopped at Father Aaron's parents' house in Idaho. And his dad showed us their prayer list. It's a list with dozens of people that they pray for every day. He and his wife, at the time she was traveling somewhere else, and so they would get on the phone, and they would pray one by one, name by name, for each person. And it's not that they would pray a long, elaborate prayer for each person. They would just name them. But they presented each one with faith to God. And let me tell you, you want to be on that list. I'm on that list. I'm thankful to be on that list. And they pray every day by name for dozens of people. There was one person on their list, a woman from Oregon, who's part of the San Juan Diego program there. And their son, Father Aaron, had asked them to pray for her. She got COVID, got very sick ended up in the hospital, and soon after, 
ended up in a coma. And she spent several months in a coma. And all the while, the San Juan Diego community was gathering to pray and intercede. And there would be cold nights in January where they would gather outside the window of her hospital because they weren't allowed in. And there with candles, late into the night, they would be praying and interceding. There came a point when the doctor, the several doctors told her husband, listen, it's time to take her off life support. She doesn't have a chance anymore. We've done everything we can and she's not changing her condition. We have to take her off. And he said to them, you keep doing everything you can to keep her alive and we'll keep praying. And a couple of days later, her eyes opened for the first time in months. And two weeks after that, she was at home without a breathing machine on her way to recovery. She was speaking, she was well. Well, sometime after that, I went to go visit her with Father Aaron, and it was amazing. She was so full of faith. She knew that it was because of the intercession of many people that she had been healed. And that day when, when we were there with her, Father Aaron had her call and FaceTime his mom. And it was amazing to see the two of them speak. They didn't speak much of the same language, uh, but they were trying to communicate with each other. And as soon as she showed up, Aaron's mom, Jeannie, just started crying. Because here was this woman healed and healthy that she had been praying for day in and day out. She got to see the fruit of her prayers. So this is my proposal, that we begin to intercede as a church and as a community. On your way out from Mass, the ushers are going to give you a very simple note card. And I want to encourage you to write down five names and keep that note card with you and pray for them every day. Start your prayer list. We have to start small. It's like weightlifting. You start with the five-pound weights. So you start with the five people you intercede for. Then once you build up some intercession muscle, you can, you can beef up your list. And within a couple of years, you'll be like Father Aaron's parents. But for now, we start with the fives. We start with the lightweights. And I'm convinced that if we pray faithfully day in and day out, that we will see answered prayers. We'll see things change. I want to share these last words from John Henry Newman about intercession. He says, By words and works, we can but teach or influence a few. By our prayers, we may benefit the whole world and every individual of it, high and low, friend, stranger, and enemy. Is it not fearful then to look back on our past lives, even in this one respect? How can we tell but that our king, our country, our church, our institutions, and our own respective circles would be in far happier circumstances than they are now, had we been in the practice of more earnest and serious prayer for them? How can we complain of difficulties, national or personal? How can we justly blame and denounce evil-minded and powerful men if we have but lightly interceded? There's a power in intercession. 
And if we pray with persistence, we'll see God change the world.